0: Felipe and Laura Matias have been uh, chosen to take on a task here at Calvary. They are uh, taking on the youth group. They are the new leaders of the youth group starting this semester, right? And Felipe has agreed to share what the Lord has put in his heart, his message for us today. Thank you, Felipe. God bless you. As I said earlier, no pressure to be the first one to preach after Nathaniel left, no pressure, no pressure at all, <laughs> yeah. but good morning to you all, it's my pleasure, pleasure to be here and sharing a little bit of the Word of God with you all, and I want to start with a reading in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Yeah, verse six. So, yes, yeah, Second Timothy chapter one, and also going to read more, uh, a few verses in chapter two as well. Verse six to eight. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands, for the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but give us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me saying in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to rel- reliable people who will who be qualified to teach others. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to us this morning, that will be yeah filled with you, Lord, this morning to understand and also be changed and moved. By the, your by the word, Lord. By the, the word that comes through, through your mouth, Lord. And so, yes, speak to us this morning is my prayer. It won't be my words, but be your words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, 2 Timothy, it is one of those letters that become a little bit of an epilogue. Epilogue? Right? I'm not sure the pronunciation of that one, but like an ending a little bit of an ending, a glimpse of the final, the final years of Paul's life. As we've been re- reading through and through Acts this whole time with Pastor Nathaniel, I always seeing this Paul that is a strong, vibrant man of God, preaching everywhere he goes, taking a bait everywhere, stones everywhere he goes as well. And I always seen this man of God being strong in the faith and going forth. And that's the Paul we've been hearing in Acts. But here in 2 Timothy is a Paul that is about 60, 60 years old, at least 60. The younger, a little bit of the younger age that some of the theologians will give him around that time. So he's probably even more than that. He's an old man. And he's in prison again. It is not the same prison or the same reason of prison that he is is definitely not the same, that we found him or we left him in the end of Acts. It is a prison now that Rome had put him in before Rome was trying to deal with him, not knowing what to do with him, as Pastor Nathaniel exposed to us in his few last preachings. But here is a prison that Rome is doing to him. The emperor is Nero. He was one of the cruelest emperors of the time. He burned uh, half of, uh, I don't know how much, percentage of Rome, and he blamed it on Christians. So now the, the rise against Christians is becoming very severe. And most theologians believe, biblical theologians believe, that Paul and Peter were imprisoned at the same time, at this time. They also killed at the same time. So Paul here is an old man, and ready to die because he knows he has nobody else to appeal. In Acts, because he's a Roman citizen, he actually could appeal to Caesar. He had somebody to appeal, right? He couldn't just be killed like some other Jew would be, like Jesus was, like Stephen was. No, he couldn't because he's a citizen. He was a Roman citizen, so he could appeal to Rome. He could appeal to Caesar. But now nobody, there was nobody that could come to save him. He had nobody to appeal. So he, he had already a death sentence on him. He knew clearly he was going to die. He knew that that was his final his final years, his final days. And here he's writing to his, uh, to his disciple, to his son in the faith. And he's writing... Things that he thinks are important for him to know, for Timothy to know, and this is the letter that serves as a epilogue, almost like a ending, almost like one of those Marvel movies that always have a after-credits scene in the end. I don't know if you guys ever watched a Marvel movie. I remember when I was really happy in the first Iron Man movie. I was one of the few people that knew there was a scene in the end, when they were, uh, after the credits, and you wait for all the credits to go, and I'm still sitting there, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a final scene here, and I know, and now everybody knows uh, that, so no, it is not like a specialty anymore, like, but... Uh, th- this letter feels a little bit like this. It is uh, after, after everything, and he's giving his last little bit of information to Timothy, his uh, his son in the faith. He wants him to know what is important. He wants him to know what is important before he dies. And I remember when I was uh, in my mission organization back way back in Belo Horizonte, and I was 24 years old. I was young, and, I'm gonna, and I, I was just basically a few years in missions but my mission leader at the time he was moving back to to his to his country his home country and he wanted to me to know everything i needed to know to move on with the ministry to do things for the ministry so he gave me a list of things that he trained me on that he taught me and he showed me what to do and things like that so he done a bunch of ran through all this stuff with me but one thing that he taught me was to use a driller, a drill, right? A drill, something to make a, uh, a hole in the wall, right? one of those machines. And I remember he he picked up one of these, handed it to me, and he first taught me how to do, and you have to do this, and apply this much pressure, and this is the kind of, uh, thing you need on the, on the front and that's how you change it and all that. And that lesson, believe it or not, was one of those lessons that stay with me. So now I feel pretty confident on how to make holes in the wall because of that first lesson that he gave it to me way back then. I can come to the, those little places that sell tools and I say, hey, I, I need the number six over there. I needed this screw here, number six, and the thing to go inside, number six. Or, oh, I need the number eight, is there, write this one. So I feel comfortable now doing this. But it was because he taught me way back then uh, when I was only 20, 24 years old. He's starting to lead a ministry of over 20 people. And in some ways, this is Paul is trying to do here in, the letter, in this letter on 2 Timothy here. He's trying to pass it on to Timothy. Things that he he thinks, Paul thinks, are important for him to know. Things that he's saying, this is important, this is vital. I'm gonna die, and I want you to know this. This is this letter in the second Timothy. That's what he's doing. He's passing the torch, as Pastor Nathaniel told us last week, and I'm not even gonna try to make a comparison passing the torch, passing the baton, like the Olympic games, because I don't even watch the Olympic games, so thanks, Nathaniel, for doing that last week. But that's what he's doing. He's passing on. He knows, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but here are the things that I think are important for you to know before I go. And, uh, and in verse 6, he starts saying, For this reason, I remind you to fan in the flame of the gift of God. And at first when I read this verse, and that, that's in the next, that, that verse specifically, two times my former Pentecostal Philippi comes back. I read this like, oh, fame in the flame, in the fire of the Holy Spirit, and I, I start already going a little bit more excited, you know, that's one of those, those passages. And, but I believe in this specifically verse, he's calling, he's calling Timothy back to, to the call that, that God gave it to him. Be strong. Be strong in the calling that, that I you know that you have. Be, be alive in the call that God gave it to you. In first Timothy, he's anointing Timothy to lead the church in Ephesus. And here we have an older Timothy. Now after several years, we don't know exactly how many and what's going on with Timothy exactly but we know in this in this passage in this in this book he's feeling discouraged we don't know why but we can only imagine that his mentor it is it's gonna he's gonna die he's gonna be he's in prison right now in the most terrible situation we don't know what he's been through with his own church, with what, what's going on in there. Now on top of it all, there's persecution. Roman Empire now is coming hard on believers. And there, and there Timothy is having to face all of that. And Paul is reminding him, hey, fan in the flames of the giver to God. The call that you have, be strong on it. I lay my hands on you. And that's another one of those verses that makes my former Pentecostal go around like this. You know, remember when we used to pray there? We put people hands on people. But he's talking about his team at his calling. You got a calling. You got a calling from God. Stay in it. Stay strong. Stay alive in it. And uh, um, one of the phrases from John Calvin about this passage, he's saying that Satan. Constantly is laboring against us, against the gifts that God gave it to us. His everyday, Satan, every day wants to take us down. Wants to take us down. So not, not just what's going on around the world wants to take us down, but Satan wants to take us down in our calling of God. And Paul is reminding Timothy: be strong. Be strong in a calling that God has for you. And he goes on to say, because the spirit that God gave it to us, do not make us timid. And as a good Brazilian, when I read the word timid here in the NIV, I tend to, to think that's the only meaning is shy. And another, another time that this word shows up in the NIV is way in the Revelation when it says, the timids won't go to heaven. And I think, oh, I'm, so, I'm sort of shy myself. I hope, I'll go to, I hope I'll go to heaven, maybe, hopefully. But it is not only timid in the sense of shyness, of shy to, shy to speak in public and things like this but it's shy, shy, timid in a sense of fearfulness. Fearfulness, the ESV actually translates fear in this passage. It has to do with cowardness. It has to do with fear of going forth and not doing something because you're fearful. And, and Paul is telling him, remember, you, remember Timothy, you've got the spirit of God that does not it is not a spirit of fear. You shouldn't fear. This is not the spirit that God gave to you. In the flip side of that, Paul is telling him, this is the spirit that gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And I could divide each one of those words and make an exegetical reading of each one of those words, but overall, those words are meant to be read together. Power, love, and self-discipline. They seem that they don't have things to do with each other. But they do. Is Paul calling Timothy to endurance? Endure. Be courageous. Endure. Endure what's, what's going on. You have to go through Timothy. In many ways, that's a call for us. That's a call for us to endure. To endure in the faith of God. We don't know exactly what's gonna happen, who is gonna replace Nathaniel as the lead pastor. We don't know how things will go and things might shake a little bit for us. But overall, God is calling us to endurance, to endure on him, not to be fearful, not to let fear drive us, but to be strong in the power in the love and the self-discipline that the Spirit of God in us do. <clears throat> and he said as well, do not be do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of his prisoner. He's saying, Do not be afraid of me. do not do not be ashamed of me, Timothy. Do not be do not be ashamed of the Lord. In some ways, He's telling Timothy, come on, man, I'm the one in chains. I'm in prison. You are not. You are not in prison. Move forward. Move forward, Timothy. I remember one time I was in, uh, back in a mission in Belo Horizonte as well with my mentor. Um, his name is Johan Lucas. He's a Dutch man. And he's two missions, and he's very quite old still, but he was back then old too. But he's very sporty. He was a guy that always was running every day. He was running, 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 running. Sometimes when he would be talking to you, and he would not even stop. He would be running, standing still in front of you and talking with you. That's how uh, running, like sporty, he was. He was full of energy. Well, old men full of energy I always look up to him and say, "Yeah." I wanna be like him, maybe one day. Hopefully, you know, that's full of energy, and he, he was that guy, and he was my mentor in missions. Um, by the way, the youth they're here this morning. Just for you know, you guys gonna hear a lot about that guy. Very important in my life, so be mentioned him a lot. Just, just, just heads up by the way. right? So I remember with him talking with me one day and during these times of discipleship, of mentorship I had with him was always in the run. Right? I had to run, I had to put my shorts and go running with my shoe and all. And I remember telling him, oh Johan, this is happening and that's happening and this is happening and this is going on and blah 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 blah. And I was expecting his answer. You know, this warm and fuzzy answer that will make me so, feel so good. I was expecting that from him. And then he turns me as a, as a good Dutch and tells me, Felipe, stop with, uh, with self-pity, please. Come on. Come on, man. No, but no, stop whining. That's what he was telling me. And that kept with me. That's one of the lessons I learned as well back in the day. They stay with me. No whining. No self-pity self-pity only stops us we look at ourselves and say oh, i can do this and this and that when it stay still in our place and paul is telling him timothy, timothy timothy stay strong in the faith do not be ashamed of me i'm the one in chains you are not you are not so you are entrusted with the call to lead so lead the church lead that's a call for us. We, we should not be self-pitying on ourselves, looking at ourselves at pity. We need to trust in God, trust in what he has for us and move forward. And he says, and he keep going saying, rather join with me in my suffering for the gospel, for the gospel in the power of God. He's telling Timothy, let's preach the gospel. It's time. Now is the time to preach the gospel. There is no better day. If now is persecution time, if now Rome is on us, now is the best time for the gospel. There's no wonder that no matter what time in the history has been, whenever there is persecution of the church, the church grows. It is... It is mathematically wrong. You see how much persecution comes into a nation against Christianity. Christianity grows. The church grows under those situations. They are the people that are brave to preach the gospel even though they've been threatened with death. And Paul's telling him, preach the gospel. Today, today is the best day to preach the gospel. And somewhat, somewhere, some way, my vision for, me, for the youth group is that we decide to make today the day to preach the gospel. Is that not, we're not going to be only a group that is going to be self-absorbed in itself, but we will preach the gospel. I read this phrase in a book about discipleship, and it said a good disciple is a good disciple maker. And my prayer for the youth is that we will be disciple makers, not only to be focused on ourselves, but preach the gospel. And Paul says, in the power of God, and why the power of God? In a world where, nowadays especially, we can learn everything on YouTube. If you need to learn anything, believe me, you can learn on YouTube. Anything weird that you think of, you can probably learn on YouTube. I, I, people, when people ask me, hey, Felipe, how can I learn how to take photos better? How can I initiate? How can I start? Do you think this course is good? That course, that's cool, that's cool. And I always tell them, you know, YouTube has all has all you need. Just go to YouTube. You're going to find it. You're going to learn all about photography, at least the first few steps you will definitely find on YouTube nowadays. And we are full of of information. So we can think, oh, we we can do it. We can do all we want. We, We can just learn and just go ahead and do it. All the information is online. All the information is on YouTube and other social media types. But God is saying, but Paul here is saying is in God's power. In our, in our own power, we ain't convert nobody to Christianism. With our methodology, we will only be able to go so far. The Bible describes the men without God as being dead in their trespasses. This is an impossible task, is to preach to somebody that is dead, spiritually dead, and expect God. bring that person to life it's like we're preaching to sort of like zombies sort of like people that don't have god they're dead in their trespasses and only the power of god can bring them to life we can we can preach but god is the one that is going to change their hearts god is the one that is going to do it and moving on to to chapter 2 as i said it's all connected when he says in verse 2, You then, my son. You then, my son. And this is an expression that I think is so, is so good to hear from Paul. I like, movies. I, that shouldn't be, I like movies. That shouldn't be a novelty to some of you. I like movies. And I like old movies. When I picture Paul, I picture Paul looking and acting a lot like the old movie star, John Wayne. If you've ever seen one of his movies, The Searchers, or all those very old movies, I know they're old, they're old, but, they, but John Wayne is my reference when I think about Paul, this strong, tall man that's gonna be sharp and tell you the, ter- the truth how it is. That's how I see Paul many times. And if you don't know who jo- jo- John Wayne it was, He's sort of like the Tom Cruise of now Tom Cruise of nowadays. When you go to watch a Tom Cruise movie, you know it's Tom Cruise playing Tom Cruise. No matter if it's Mission Impossible, whatever variation, it's gonna to be Tom Cruise playing basically the same character. So Joe Wayne basically it was John Wayne playing all Joe Wayne's movies back in the day. So always saw this guy, this Paul being almost like this strong man, sharp when he has to do, sharp when he has to say. And here we have a a glimpse of a different Paul, a Paul that is tender and caring. When he, when he turns to Timothy and says, my son, he's not only using the expression like we many times use in Portuguese, oh, meu filho, oh, my son. Right? But it is, not, it is not exactly in the same way. He's, he's speaking with tenderness. And if we remember how Paul addresses the church in Corinth, right? Very harsh, very hard church to deal with that. But he still deals with them with tenderness. With Galatians too, another one of those hard Pauline letters. He still deals with them with tenderness. And him talking to, to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, my son. You see how deep the connection between this apostle, this man of God, and timothy there's a strong connection to the point that he looks at him and say my son he cares for his people he cares for his church and he tells him be strong and now he's completing he's completing what he says do not fear in chapter one and now he's saying be strong and this is one of the most amazing sayings of scripture when god very often tell his people, be strong. How many of us, when we open Joshua chapter 1, and we read when God tells him, be strong and courageous, how much we encourage when we read that passage. How much strong we feel when God tells us, be strong. Be strong. It feels like we're in a place of weakness but when God says be strong we are lift up with those words and Paul is telling him Timothy Timothy my son be strong and it can be very subjective I know that I know no growing in church and going to church and it can be very subjective the idea of be strong but Paul says be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is not subjective. It's very objective. It's very objective how we're supposed to be strong. We should not just be strong in our own strength. In a way, it's like, oh, let me think positively and things will happen. Let me find the strength in myself and things will happen. No. We should find strength in a grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is, grace is one of those words we get used to with. It. We get used to, oh, grace, I know, I'm a Christian. I know that word very well. I know what it means. I know all possible comparisons that we can have on that word. But at the same time, it's an important word for us. When, when Paul receives from, from Jesus himself and he says, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. It's not a word that we should take lightly. It's not a word that we should get used to with that. Because we live off that. We live off grace. We, in some ways you can think of we, we, we can try to do as much as we can. We can try to strive to, to be Well, we want to be the best that we can be and try and try in a very humanistic humanistic society. We can try our best to achieve the best human being ever. But we know we're never going to get there. We know we we are not enough. We are not enough. We know parents here. No matter what we do, we will never be 100%. We know there are failures in ourselves. And we know we will not be enough. But we strive for, for that. We strive to be enough. But God is saying to us, He is enough. He has done enough. We don't have to strive to this place. But He has done it. He, he has done all. Even in our salvation, He has done all of it. There's no place we can add into. He has done all of it. And we can rest that He is enough. Maybe we are not enough. God is working our lives. We are being sanctified. We've been daily. God is working our lives. But we can rest assured that He is enough. He's enough for us. His grace is sufficient for us. And we can think of, think of this when we think, yes, no matter, no matter what, we can be strong in the grace to move forward. We can be encouraged in those things. Pastor Nathaniel and have spoken here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday the word of God to us. He taught us, he taught us, the, you know, like all the deep, sound doctrine things we can learn from Scripture here in this pulpit. In a in a verse here, Paul is telling telling Timothy, "Stay strong in the grace, and also in the things you have heard me saying." So I believe in all that Pastor Nathaniel taught us throughout these years. We can hold strong to his teachings. We can hold strong to how he has taught us because it's being sound doctrine teaching to us that I believe that even though going through this time as a church if we stay in his teachings I believe we're gonna go through in a healthy way I believe we're going through this transition in a healthy way instead of being fearful and not hopeful a new time a new season but at least we know if we stay strong in a grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that have been taught from Pastor Nathaniel here in this pulpit, we know we can go through this in a very healthy way. I remember when we were trying to make a decision what church we would go here in Sao Paulo when we first arrived. And I, I made a list. We made a list. Me and my wife, we made a list of things that we want in a church, things that we did not want in a church. And one of the things that was in the church that we did not want in a church was a English-speaking Church, and we search, and we avoid coming to Calvary in purpose. We avoid coming to Calvary for that reason. But after searching so many different churches, and we say, "Okay, let's go to Calvary. Let's go. Let's just see, right? Let's give a chance." And listening to the preaching from Pastor Nathaniel here was what made me say, "Yes, I want to be here. I want to be a member here." And we are here since then. And I think it's very honorable if he knows, if he, if he knows now that God called him to a different time, a different season in his life, that we are staying strong in the grace of Christ and the teachings that we have heard him say. If, I, I believe that it would be honorable to him to know that. That we are moving on strong as a church body. That we're not letting fear interfere in our midst in you know, all we need to do. But we move forward, forward boldly in endurance in his word. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you so much, God, for your word. Speak to our hearts, to our minds and souls that we be able to go back home and meditate on you and the wonders that you've done. Thank you for the warm day we have today, Lord. Help us to, to be reminded that we need to fan in the flame of God. Lord, yeah, we praise you because you you are good and you are enough, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.